little bit of breaking news for you uh, from Fox. Hunter Biden's lawyers say that he is willing to testify on Capitol Hill uh, in the probe into his businesses, but only if he can do so publicly. So he wants to make his case in public. Um, okay. Bring it on. Full transparency. Um, I, I wonder if he can speak or if he's just going to get out there and take the fifth and, and claim innocence. I don't know. But uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Interesting development there. Uh, near the end of the legislative session, we saw a flurry of bills being signed by Governor Whitmer, one of them changing the way that teachers are evaluated here in the state of Michigan. And uh, there will be a de-emphasis on judging their performance based on student performance and standardized tests. So how do we make sure that in, in making it more fair for teachers that we're not watering down accountability and also uh, having a connection in terms of merit and otherwise between student performance and how teachers are graded. Uh, Wendy Zadeb is executive director of the Michigan Association of Secondary School Principals, and she joins us live this morning. Wendy, so good of you to come in. Thank you. Good morning, Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. We know the original proposal was to completely eliminate standardized test scores as a performance measure for teachers. What were we left with under this new legislation? Well, I think, you know, we we have to backtrack just a little bit here. Um, Looking at this legislation that was put in place in 2011, so we've had it in place now for 13 years. And during that time, we've had this 40% student growth uh, factor. And honestly, it just has not had a positive impact um, in terms of, you know, making progress with standardized test scores. And we've also seen a massive teacher shortage result. So, you know, we really had to make some changes here and try to find a way that actually uh, more effectively captures a teacher's performance. And student growth isn't that factor that we would be looking for to be able to do that. And, and how, how do the unions uh, receive this, this reform? You know, the, the new legislation, I think, is, is kind of like, you know, the pendulum swung heavily from one direction uh, to the next. Prior to the original legislation, we didn't have any evaluation requirements in place. And then the new legislation came in place in 2011, and, um, you know, it became very prescriptive. And so now what I think we're seeing is is a appropriate correction. And so part of the problem with student growth, it's not that we don't want to use Um, you know, some uh, type of data that's, uh, you know, uh, score related or student achievement related. But with the state assessment, we get those results so late in the school year that you're actually a whole year behind in in being able to use that data. And only 20% of the teachers in the state that teach reading and math, I'm sorry, math and English in grades four through eight could really use the state assessment data as part of their evaluation. So, it really just wasn't an accurate way to be able to include that consistently for all teachers. Well, teachers like who teach art couldn't be evaluated under that system. So how is, what is the right way of evaluating teachers? Well, I think that's, you know, the part of what this bill allows is that student growth can be measured with a district uh, collectively bargained measure. So there are things that districts are using and have in place that will make a lot more sense um, to be able to accurately measure, 
you know, the, the work that the students are doing under that teacher in that classroom, you know, using the content standards that they're teaching. So I think we're going to actually see a good correction with this, and it's going to be a lot more applicable than the state assessment, which, you know, as you noted, really doesn't apply to an art teacher, a PE teacher, a world language teacher, et cetera. Wendy, when you look at this, we, there are four categories that a, a teacher could get. Highly effective, effective, uh, marginally ineffective, and ineffective. For those that are rated ineffective, what percentage of teachers, even under the stricter requirements that were tied to test scores, what percentage of teachers were rated ineffective? I, I, I thought it was something like fewer than 10%, like maybe even single-digit percentages were rated ineffective. I know of no business in the world where you have people that reach those kinds of effectiveness standards. Yeah, I would I would agree that the the figure that you're quoting is correct, Guy. And and that is part of the problem with the current system is that when you had 40% student growth, what you were largely seeing was what we call collective attribution. So all the teachers in that school would be using the same student growth measure and score. So at times, um, teachers that maybe were struggling in terms of their instructional practice, that was such a low percentage of their evaluation, they were actually being helped by the percentage of student growth that was included. Okay, but again, I mean, if it doesn't sound like it was very effective in getting rid of the bad teachers. And in some ways, are we also looking at a situation, though, I mean, if it's a 90% pass rate, how many ineffective teachers are kept in positions now because we don't have really valid accountability standards? You know, I think that really the, the whole focus is supposed to be on improving instructional practice, supporting and coaching teachers, providing professional development, and helping them to improve. You know, the focus of evaluation really should never be about firing bad teachers. You know, we're at a time where we have a significant teacher shortage and we really need to work with and support the teachers that we have in the classroom and provide them with really constructive feedback and to be able to coach them up. And I think that's right. really a role that principals, you know, have taken on. And they really want to, like, find ways to be able to support our teachers and help them to be better. You know, over the years where I was a high school principal, uh, I certainly had occasions where I would counsel you know, a teacher about, you know, are you really sure that this is the profession that, that is calling you? And at times it wasn't, but those are conversations that you can have also. And, and this, you know, legislation doesn't eliminate the ability uh, to, you know, evaluate somebody out if necessary, but what we really need to focus on is strengthening the teachers that we do have in the classroom right. and helping them to be the best they can be. I should point out the data that I was referencing. It came from BridgeMI.com. In the school year before the pandemic, student growth data made up 25% of a teacher's evaluations and 99% of teachers were ranked either effective or highly effective on their evaluations. An almost unbelievable uh, percentage. And, and, and Wendy, there is a, a part where a teacher can uh, receive a needing support rating. And if they get it, you know, three consecutive uh, year-end evaluations, then I, I believe they can be terminated. But in between that time, though, as you said, the support is there to help that teacher get better. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that, that's the point. You know, I, I don't know why there have been people who have said, oh, we don't have the ability to – 
get rid of bad teachers anymore. For one, honestly, in my whole career, I have encountered very few of those. Mm, and secondly, okay. I would tell you that, you know, we we really just need to be in a place where we're thinking about, you know, improving the majority of teachers that we have. We want to be in a continuous improvement mode and really focus on, you know, what can we do in our daily instruction to improve instructional practice and improve outcomes for students. And we should point out, Wendy, you've got uh, kind of a big event coming up with eSports at your school. We do. It's super exciting that uh, the uh, Secondary School Principals Association, that we oversee the eSports League in the state of Michigan. And, um, you know, we talked about this last year, Guy. I don't know if you remember, but on um, Saturday, December 9th at Oakland University, we have our uh, state championships coming up. And so we've got um, this in this fall season, we've got 86 schools participating, 465 teams, and over uh, 1,200 students are participating in esports. So we appreciate our partners at Oakland University hosting our state championships, and we'll have students competing from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. It is open to the public. Uh, there's a $10 charge for spectators, and they will see the best students in the state playing Rocket League, Super Smash Brothers, and Mario Kart. All right. Very cool. Oh, and then they can go on the Ferris State for yeah. that program. Yeah, we, <laughs> right. we understand that not all students are cut out for football and basketball and that this kind of helps uh, build provide team. an outlet yeah. for them and teams yeah. for them as well. Wendy Zadeb, we thank you for your time at uh, the Michigan Association of Secondary School Principals and for uh, uh, your perspective on this evaluation uh, situation. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. We sure will. You too. When we come back, uh, President Biden held his first meeting uh, about supply chain resilience, something that we all endured, whether it was formula or whether it was auto parts. How's that going? We'll check in with one of our Fox News correspondents at 849 here on News Talk 760 WJR.